أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته and welcome back to Ramadan reflections today being the 18th day of the blessed month of Ramadan the nights of Qadr are upon us the Layaliul Qadr as we call them a night which is greater than 1,000 months and we hope and pray to Allah that we are able to benefit from the nights of power that we're able to pray for one another that we're able to pray for our family, our friends, our community, our global community, and all of humanity. We pray to God to remove the suffering of all of those who are suffering around the world. And we ask God to make us to be the best of believers, to make a change in ourselves, so that we may make a change in humanity. You know, when we get to know and recognize Allah, our Creator, we realize a few things about Allah. These are mentioned obviously in the Quran, in the Hadith that speak about the Tawheed, the oneness of God. We recognize Him as being, number one, omnipotent. That means He has unlimited power and is able to do anything He wills. We recognize God as being omnipresent. That is, He's wide, widely or constantly encountered or widespread. He is everywhere. You can't say that God is only here and He's not there. He's ever-present in our lives. We believe, number three, that God is omnificient. That is, He has unlimited uh, powers in His creative ability. He creates from nothing. No blueprint, no plan, no schedule, no, pro no, no you know, department of, of, of uh, a design department. He does all of this on His own through His own creative power. And he is omniscient, that is, he is all-knowing, he knows everything. Not only does he know everything, but he even knows, you know, he knows the actions and the speech, but he also knows the intentions behind why people do certain things. When it comes to you and I, however, his creations, or even the prophets of God for that matter, or even the imams of the Ahlul Bayt, peace be upon all of them for that matter, we all have natural limitations. We have limited power. We have limited ability. We have limited knowledge. There are certain things that we just cannot do as human beings. Allah has unlimited power. He gives some of His creations, such as the angels, some abilities. Gives the jinn some powers and abilities that we don't have. But we see that there is a difference in the Creator and the created. Now the only time that this can be broken or bent, the rules, and a person, a human being, can have the ability to have powers which are far beyond what can be naturally achieved or learned or acquired, is if and when Allah permits them to have those powers and He grants it to that individual directly. So as an example, naturally you and I as human beings, we cannot understand the communication of animals. You and I hear birds chirping in the spring. We see animals. We may have pets at home. But we can't understand a word that they say. Neither the, the fish in our tank, nor the, the cat that is meowing and purring. We have no idea what they're saying. Allah knows, obviously. I'm sure other animals know and they communicate with one another. But Allah gave this power to the likes of Prophet Dawood, peace be upon him, Prophet David to be able to understand the language of the birds. Another example is people naturally cannot bring the dead to life. Yes, modern medicine has done miracles, we can say, as they would call it. 
They have technology, they have machinery, they have medicine, which a person, if they've died, within a few, within a certain time span, they can be resuscitated, they can be brought back to life. But normally you and I can't just walk up to a dead person and touch them or make a dua and have them come back to life. But Allah gave this ability to Prophet Isa, peace be upon him, through a miracle to prove his prophetic mission that he could go and give the dead, bring the dead back to life. He could cure the blind, he could cure the leper. He did all of this by the power of God. But nobody today can claim to have that ability. Another example as I move on is that people naturally cannot traverse long distances instantaneously. For you to travel from your home to Mecca for Umrah or Hajj or to one of the shrine cities for Ziyara means you have to take a plane, a car, a bus, a train, forms, many forms of transportation to get to your destination. Allah obviously as we said is everywhere omnipresent. But he gave this ability to the Prophet Muhammad, may God bless him and his family, to travel from Mecca to Jerusalem on the Mi'raj, on the Isra, and then into the heavens on Mi'raj. This is a power God gave to somebody for a unique time, for a unique circumstance. So you get my point that these and countless other examples in the Quran show us that at times, Allah can provide his chosen ones with superhuman powers that they can do things which nobody else can do. That they can know things that nobody else can be, that nobody else can know, and that nobody else has the ability to even know. Only if God gives that individual powers and knowledge of the unseen. You know, Prophet Jesus was given this in chapter number 3, Surah Al-Imran, verse 49. God tells Prophet Jesus to tell the community that I can tell you what you eat and what you have in your homes that you have stored for food for later on in your pantry. Now, how did he do this? How can, you, how can a man tell you what you had for lunch or dinner if they're not there? Thousands of years ago, there was no Instagram to post a, a, an image of your food at a local restaurant. No, there were no you know, TV shows of, of hoarders or extreme couponing. And you store all that stuff and then you have a TV show about it. No, but Jesus knew all of this, peace be upon him. And so based on this introduction that I have just provided to you, we move into the verse and theme for today. The ability for Prophet Muhammad, may God bless him and his family, to know the unseen and to even be made aware of what you and I are doing today in 2022. And so in chapter number 9, Surah At-Tawbah, verse 105, God says the following. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وقل اعملوا فسير الله عملكم ورسوله والمؤمنون وستردون إلى عالم الغيب والشهادة فينبئكم بما كنتم تعملون Say, work and God will see your work and so will his messenger and the true believers and you will be brought back to the knower of the unseen and the witnessed and he will make you understand all that you were doing and call you to account for it. According to the mainstream opinion of Shia scholars, of the Shia Na'ashari scholars, that is, one of our articles of faith is that we believe that Prophet Muhammad, may God bless him and his family, as well as the Imams of Ahlul Bayt, peace be upon them, are given a record of the deeds of their followers by Allah and with the express permission of Allah, not on their own volition. Allah gives this to them. And so this verse that I just recited for you, and we just looked at the translation, it brings about some very interesting points 
to reflect upon. I mean, obviously the entire Quran is important to read and reflect, but this verse is extremely impacting and very thought-provoking. And we need to recognize, brothers and sisters, that with the passing away of Prophet Muhammad, may God bless him and his family, and our first 11 Imams being martyred, this verse was not made redundant. This verse is not just discarded because these people have left this world. No, it continues to live and give purpose to our lives today. So some of the points that I want to think about today on this blessed day of the month of Ramadan as we review this topic is Allah starts the verse of point number one by telling the people, I'malu, go and work. Do whatever you normally do in your day and night. The good, the bad, the sins, the, the, the charity, whatever you do, go ahead and do it. You're free to do as you wish. You're not going to be stopped by God. We have free will as human beings. But then what does God say in the second point that I want to mention? Allah says that He is the first one to know. As we always say, He is all-knowing and all-present. Not only does He see our actions and our, hear our words, but He knows the intention behind every act, which is how we will be rewarded or punished on the Day of Judgment. Point number three. He then goes on to say, immediately after saying that Allah will see your actions, He says His Messenger will also see, and so will the believers. But let me just go back to the Prophet for a moment. The Prophet is being told by Allah that tell the Muslims that do what you want to do. Allah is going to see you. We know that as the introduction I gave. But then the Prophet will also see the actions of his community. Now obviously if you're living in Medina with the Prophet, he would see you. For those few minutes you see him in the masjid or he comes over or you go to his house. But he's not going to see you 24-7 in Medina, is he? Does he know what every companion is doing in behind closed doors? Most people would say, no, he's not that powerful. He doesn't have the power of God. But as I showed in the beginning, God gives powers that he has, like flight, like speaking to animals, like long distance travel, like healing the dead, uh, bringing the life, uh, life back to the dead, rather, through his permission. And so we believe that not on his own volition or power, but the Prophet is given the permission by God to have the ability to see the actions of his ummah and maybe even we can extend that to say that he also knows the intention behind the action just as Allah knows the intention behind our actions the third group is interesting however the mu'minun, the believers does that mean the, the companions in Medina all could see the actions of another companion even if he lived a thousand kilometers away, two thousand kilometers away just as Allah can see the companions, whether they be in Mecca or Medina or Sham or in Africa or anywhere else, do the believers, you and I, do we have that ability too? Obviously, nobody can say that. So here is where we go to hadith and we're told that the believers in this verse are not the mu'minun in general, the you and I, the average everyday believer, but rather that these refer to people at a higher level. More specifically, the 12 Imams of the Ahlul Bayt, beginning with Imam Ali, culminating with Imam Al-Mahdi. May Allah hasten his return. And without a doubt, because Allah mentions Allah and His Messenger and the believers, that thread runs through all of them. That they all have the same power and ability. Not independent of God, but through the blessing and power that God has given to them to have these abilities. 
You know, we have a hadith, in fact, actually from our sixth Imam, Imam Jafar ibn Muhammad as-Sadiq, may God's peace and blessings be upon him, where he has been quoted as saying that the deeds of the servants of Allah are presented to the Messenger of Allah. May Allah bless him and his family every morning, the good deeds and the bad. So then the Imam says, be aware of this. And then he goes on to say, and this is the meaning of the words, and he quotes this verse of the Quran, Malu. And then the Imam remained silent. So we have hadith, not just one hadith, not just two. There are multiple hadith in this area. And scholars have spoken about this at length in their books of theology. And so based on this, I really think we have no reason to doubt the fact that the Prophet has access to the higher streams of knowledge, higher sources of knowledge, if and when Allah deems that he should have access to it. It's not carte blanche. It's not that you, like you open up your computer and you go to google.com and you find the information you look. No, the Prophet doesn't have that kind of access. Only if Allah wants him to have it and when he wants him to have it and for what reasons he needs to have it. And so even as it relates to Ilmul Ghaib, which is a, a lengthy topic which I won't go into today, we never say that the Prophet of Islam or the Imams have independent access to Ilmul Ghaib that they can just open a book and read it and know everything. It's only through the permission of Allah they, that they can have access to that. And that is only, only as much as it relates to their responsibility as a prophet or an imam. They can't use it to make profit, like in, in a stock market as an example, to avert loss, to save themselves from disasters including death. No, they can't use that knowledge in certain areas of their life. In short, they use it only when Allah allows them to, and that's up to the discretion of God. Now as I conclude, you know, we are approaching the nights of Qadr, the remembrance of, uh, obviously Allah takes on a more fervent tone in these last ten nights of the month of Ramadan, the last odd-numbered nights of the month of Ramadan. And in these next three nights, the 19th, 20th, and 21st, we will be remembering the martyrdom of the commander of the faithful, the prince of the believers, the brother of the prophets, the husband of Zahra, the father of Imams Hassan and Hussein, peace be upon them, Abul Hassan, Ali ibn Abi Talib, may God's peace and blessings be upon him for eternity. And so for the next three sessions on the 19th, 20th, and 21st for Ramadan Reflections, we will pause our specific theme of the Prophet in the Quran to reflect on Imam Ali alayhi salam, and more specifically his unique relationship with the Prophet and the Quran. What is the symbiosis that exists between Imam Ali, the Prophet, and the Qur'an? How are they all inexplicably tied together to one another? God willing, we will look at the, this topic over the next three nights of who Imam Ali is, alayhi salam, in the eyes of the Prophet, and in the opinion of Allah. And so join us tomorrow, especially brothers and sisters, on the 19th of Ramadan, as we delve into the early years of Imam Ali. Peace be upon him and his connection to our beloved Prophet Muhammad, May God bless him and his family. Until tomorrow, wassalamu alaikum jamian wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.